dedicate this program to friends who are honest enough to speak truth to you. I had a couple of friends come to me lately and say, man, I love the cast. And got to take a break from time to time because it gets so heavy. My friend Connie approached me in church on Sunday and said, (sighs) I asked her, how are you? She said, I'm feeling pretty anxious. And I said, "Uh, what's going on? She said, I had to take a break from the podcast. It's just I'm feeling so anxious about the world. And I've had other friends approach me and say, how do you do it? Day in and day out, digging into the news and and talking about the serious topics you do. How do you do it and not become despaired? I struggle with that. And so I want to dedicate this program to friends who are honest enough to share that and ask questions. And I want to depart. The moment Connie said those words to me in church, the moment I decided to just depart for one show this week, and we'll do the Christmas thing we always do, which is a way of telling the Christmas story, but through the lens of modern times and modern cynicism. Don't worry, it's not a cynical show. It's not. We've done it for a decade, and it's something that people really seem to enjoy. My, my, my purpose in this program is to challenge myself. A gratitude challenge. Yeah, could sound a little Oprah Winfrey, but then again, Oprah says there's all sorts of ways to God. Right? There's not just one way to God. I mean, it's, it's all sorts of ways to climb the mountain, but in fact, there's not. <laughs> if you've ever looked at the climbing up of a mountain like Mount Everest, there's actually not countless ways to get to the top. That's, that's not true. There's many ways you could try, but there's only really two ways to get there. And we're not talking about a mountain. We're talking about heaven. And God left a list of things that are necessary to get in, and the path is narrow. One of the things that's going to help us all get there is gratitude. So the gratitude challenge begins with the help from our friends at Bulwark Capital Management, knowyourriskradio.com. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. And as God has decided that we shall live through these times, I think it's incumbent upon us to be grateful. It's a horribly difficult thing to do sometimes, to be grateful, particularly as challenges come upon us, and we are cautioned biblically to to be grateful even in the hardest possible times in colossians 3 verses 15 through 19 and let the peace of christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful let the word of christ dwell in you ritually teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to god and then the next sentence is in less times are tough except that's not the next sentence We're reminded of this throughout Scripture, and it's the hardest thing. (laughs) It's the hardest thing. 
Dear Lord, I'm so grateful for my cancer. No, you're not. Dear Lord, I'm so grateful I'm sitting here in an emergency room uh, with my daughter who has made a serious suicide attempt and um, has taken a bunch of pills and I'm, I'm so grateful to be here. No. No, under those circumstances, I was grateful that she was alive. I was grateful that she called. I was grateful that she told us what she'd done. I'm still grateful that she's alive. But no, I wasn't grateful in that moment, but nor was I discipled. You know, I have a new therapist. And she's a a Christian woman, and uh, her story is her own to tell. I can tell you that she has suffered unspeakable trauma. And yet she speaks of it. And she said something very, very wise to me the other day. We were talking about the way we memorialize in the Western culture. We memorialize pain. I've been to the 9-11 memorial. I was there before it was finished. It was there with a dear friend uh, whom I've known and, um, and been close with since ninth grade. And she and I visited, with the permission of my spouse, by the way, very understanding about that. And we saw the, uh, the monument being built. And it's a monument to pain. Oh, it's bravery. Certainly there's monument there to bravery and to self-sacrifice and to loving the neighbor well enough and strongly enough and completely enough that you'll give your life uh, for theirs. That's all there, but it's a monument to pain. And what my therapist said was, what if you were to build mental monuments in your mind the way the Hebrews built actual monuments, such as this is the time where God stopped the Jordan River for about 18 hours so the Levites could stand in the center of it holding the, uh, holding the Ark of God, Ark of the Covenant, pardon me, and so others could pass, uh, and the other monuments that exist in, in the Bible. What if we had mental monuments to times where God made his presence so clear? You know, I tend to see God in, in the eyes of other people. And when that happens with me, it's, it's just an utter blessing. Um, I had the opportunity a little while ago to chat with a woman who was uh, severely overweight. And she knows this. It's, you know, there's this belief of don't, don't, don't talk about weight. Don't, don't use the word weight. She knows. And in talking with her about her, her challenges with dropping fat and, and, and just opening up with this sister, she knows the Lord very well. And just asking her, but what is food? And finally, she realized I was talking about something deeper. And she said, food is the only pleasure I have. It's the only thing that, it's how I feel love and it's how I express love. It's food. It's how I express it to my family and it's how I feel it. And when we talked more about dropping weight with the soda weight loss protocol, now was I there for that? Yeah. Yeah, she had questions. How it works. What's the focus? 
And we talked about the mechanics of this because soda weight loss, they're founded by actual people who care for folks' health. Not I, I, the, the phrase healthcare has been ruined by Tony Fauci. They actually care for people's health. They want us to keep the weight off. I've dropped 150 pounds. I've kept that off of fat I didn't want. I've kept that off. And yes, I went and talked to her about that. Yes, I brought it up. She had questions. Yes, I would do that again. And Soda Weight Loss provides all the convenience foods. The, the, she never needs to leave her house to do this. She can do this at work. She can weigh in at work or at home and have, have cooking classes, etc. But what I wanted to tell you about this is at the end of this time together, uh, I just felt called to go give her a hug. And I asked her, can I give you a hug? I just wanted to hug her. Why? Because she's a dear lady. She works hard. She keeps her office place running. And everybody told me, hey, the woman you're going to meet with, she's the one who keeps the wheels on the bus. Yeah, the doctors are great. She's the one who keeps things in order. This is why the place doesn't fall apart. And I got to give her a hug. And and she said to me, it's been a long time since I've just had this stranger hug me. Hey, if you are a bunch of weight over, it doesn't change who you are. You're still a lovable person. It's sodaweightloss.com if you want to drop the unwanted fat. Sodaweightloss.com. So Sam is the name of my therapist. And Sam said um, that, you know what? What if we built mental monuments? And what if we built in our minds? And maybe just maybe a physical monument. Now, you don't want to get into the creation of an idol and the monument is God, and that's backwards. And I think we all get that, that we're not going to build, you know, craft a thing with our hands and say, that's our God. No, please, no, never do that. But to think of, where were you when you felt God's presence? You know, I, I have a bunch of them. And in Philippians 4, verse 6 through 8, it says, do not be anxious about everything about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is all lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And that's tough when you do a show like this. And it's tough when you listen to a show like this. Because we're talking about the presence of evil in our world to inform ourselves, to arm ourselves, to make proper decisions, to be good citizens, and to be aware of how Satan is working in and around us. Because he is a thief, a liar, and a murderer, and he never stops. One of the things he likes is despair. Because in despair, we remove the presence of God. Now, if you hear everything that we've talked about scripturally, we can go a lot deeper than this. There's not a lot of times, if any, where the God where God comes along and says, hey, be really sad. Be in despair. In fact, the fruits of the Spirit, or the fruit of the Spirit, as a brother corrected me the other day, love, peace, joy, goodness, faithfulness, patience, forbearance, and self-control. Nothing in that is about discouragement or anger or giving up. <clears throat> or cynicism, and, hey, I plead guilty. I don't spend enough time in the fruit of the Spirit. There was this moment uh, in Seattle where we learned from the Adolescent uh, Treatment Center 
that it probably wasn't going to be six months. It was probably going to be 13. And the cost of that, 30,000 bucks a month cash. Cash. And yeah, we've been blessed, undoubtedly. But I am not a wealthy man. Far from it. And we've been blessed. And now, I ultimately was able to pay for that. And I went through a lengthy year-long war with the insurance company, and I got a fair bit of that money back. They tried to wheeze a lot of it, and they were liars. And then when they knew they were ultimately caught in the lie and that I wasn't going to stop and that they gave us a good portion of that money back. But writing a check every month for $30,000 plus travel, which would bring it to another three or 4,000 bucks a month. That will flatten you. And I know right where I was when I walked up the street when, when we made the decision to do that. I can picture the place. It was just up from the radio station. In fact, just across the street from a radio station, there is a raise in the concrete there where it cracks and the, the roots have grown up. And it's, it's a pretty good slope as you walk up. And if you're jogging there, man, be careful. And God said, well done. Well done, faithful servant. Why? Well done what? You trust me. I'm going to put it back. You are seeking to help the child you've been given to steward. It may not be the perfect solution. It may not be the best solution. It's the one that you have where she is going to find it difficult to continue to try to harm herself. And where you are going to get some tools as parents. May not be the perfect one. And it's going to be awful for her and you to be separated from her. And you're doing this in full trust. That's right. I had to. And in my mind, there's this monument there. And I don't, when I talk about hearing God, I don't hear his voice. He doesn't come down out of the sky. Other people don't hear it. It is a way of speaking. It's a way of speaking that I feel inside. If I, ho- I hope that makes sense. So where's yours? Where is a time in your life that God was so clear to you? That was one. That's, that's a mental monument. The other, I mean, there's so many. And the challenge I want to provide you with me is what if we could name one monument per day? And maybe you can't. It's okay. What if you can name 10 before Christmas? What would be the monument for you? There was a meeting of minds and souls that happened to me in ninth grade. Um, I got to know a guy who is my brother. I speak often about his parents who I consider to be, I have adopted them as my godparents, and they have said that they consider me a fourth son, and that is the greatest possible honor I could have, far beyond any. 
I got to know Matthew because I was supposed to, I was supposed to beat him up. <laughs> True story. In ninth grade, this guy came and he had all these concert t-shirts and he wore a, he wore bell-bottom jeans and he, he, and that wasn't the thing in Spokane. Bell-bottoms weren't, no, no, I have that wrong. Bell-bottoms were the thing in Spokane. We were still wearing San Francisco riding gear and hash jeans and Squire jeans. Remember the Squire jeans? I happen to know from sixth grade experience, and don't repeat this, um, we used to be able to hide two six-packs of beers in our long tennis socks inside of our bell-bottoms. That's a true story. Yeah, we took to drinking young. We would uh, hide. Uh, Eric would take a six-pack, three beers in one sock, me, uh, and three beers in another sock. I would take a second six-pack, and we would disappear out, to, out, of, out at the, at the ends of the field, and we would drink body temperature beer, where you try to. You want to try gross, try body temperature, you know, canned bad beer. I think it was... I don't remember the brand, but it wasn't it wasn't very good beer. And body temperature, you can't feel it in your mouth. It's the most disgusting thing. But yes, we wore we wore uh, we wore bell bottoms still. Matthew didn't. He wore straight leg jeans. What Levi straight legged? We made fun of him, and and he was saying, "Oh, you guys, this bell bottoms have not been in for six years." I knew I was moving to a small town, and he was actually very kind. He didn't call us hicks or rednecks. In fact, he never called us names. And when he moved in, he had all these concert T-shirts, and so people came to me, and they, they, they back then they only used my last name. Herman, have you seen this guy, Bruno? He has all these concert T-shirts, and, and he says he's been to all these concerts, and you need to beat him up, and he's going to be in PE, and, and you, should, you should wrestle him, and, and you should put his face in the mat, and you should beat him up. And so there he is. He's sitting in front of me in, in uh, yes, in, in PE on the red wrestling mats. And yes, it was a wrestling portion of PE. And yeah, I was, I was at that point getting okay at wrestling. And so there's Matthew sitting there right in front of me. And so I started this conversation with this guy about these concert t-shirts and he was wearing one that was a festival shirt and it had Aerosmith and it had Journey, uh, it had the Doobie Brothers, uh, man, it was a huge list of the biggest bands in the world on the back of a ninth grade boy. So I started to interrogate the brother and then... And then something weird happened. Something weird always happens, or so often happens when God's involved. Um, the the there is a weirdness to how I met Zach Abraham. So it went like this: so Zach was on my friend Dory Monson's radio show, and and Dory was endorsing Bulwark Capital Management. And then I saw Zach in the radio station and just introduced myself to be polite. I mean, he was an advertiser with the radio station and he's friends with my friend, Dory. So a friend of a friend. And so I introduced myself and he says, oh man, I love your show. And, and I've listened to you for years. And if, if I could ever pick your brain about, about radio and how to do it better. And I thought that was very humble. And so that was just this way we met. And then I don't even know how it happened. It was just talking to each other at the desks and visiting. And one day Zach said, hey, you know what? We're doing a, we give money to a charity I think you would really like. It's about kids who are homeless. 
and and, and gapped in the foster care system, would you come? We have a table. Would you come with my wife and I? And so we went and we visited that night. And I, I realized this guy's heart is solid and his heart for God is solid. And then, of course, because when I'm developing a brotherhood with someone, I need to, if they'll go, go to the gym with them to see what that's like. We actually worked out outside in the track. And Zach hadn't been training as much as he want, but he was a monster. Also humble, like, hey, Todd, no, actually, I'm not going to bear crawl with your weight vests on. I don't, want, <laughs> I don't want a piece of that. So when I learned about Bulwark Capital Management, I look at the company, and it reflects his values. Number one is risk management. Hey, Todd, I don't want to crawl around with your weight vest. I haven't been training hard enough for that. Risk management requires practicality. Our system is is, is, is rigged. It's mobbed up. Zach's very honest about that. It's the humility. You know what, Todd? None of this makes any sense. That they're doing right now in the financial models, and yet we need to work within the system. It's the only way to build wealth or to even secure wealth unless you have a whole bunch of land and cash flow land. And then his team, his wife is the chief operating officer. He hires from within. He is perfectly ready to admit there's people on his team 10 times, 100 times smarter than he is about quants and math. And yet the firm's so successful. So here it is, and we're getting close to the end of the year. Do you know if your portfolio will withstand the chaos economy? Is it built for risk management? And I'll give you a, a teaser alert. If you're using the 60-40 stock bond mix, I'm here to tell you it's not set up for the chaos economy. It's simply not. It can't can't handle it. So call and have Zach Abraham and the team at Bulwark Capital Management see how you can get ready to withstand the chaos economy. They're at 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Borough Capital Management's investment advisor, representative of Tech Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. And that's a little bit of the backstory about how I met Zach. So Matthew's sitting in front of me and I tap him on the shoulder. I say, say hey, where'd you get all the concert t-shirts? He goes, I guess, oh, everybody asked me that. Um, my dad is in radio. And we just moved here from San Francisco, and my dad has taken a job at, at the time it was Crime FM, and it became KZZU. And so because my dad's in radio, I'm super lucky. I get to go to a bunch of concerts, and, and I don't have to pay. It's, it's, I know it's super lucky. So I just, I've just got all these T-shirts, and I don't really wear T-shirts, but I only wear them in gym and in school. That made perfect sense to me. Okay. What's the problem? The guy's dad is in radio. Of course, he gets radio t-shirts. And we became friends. And then we became brothers. And I'll never forget the night. And there's a mental monument. It's a mental monument. We were in his bedroom. And we did things that teen boys don't normally do. We read some books. He played for me music I'd never heard. Uh, he played for me music I had heard, but then he helped me understand it because he at that time and still does has an unbelievable grip on music and is, is God has gifted him so enormously there. Perfect pitch. He can pick up any, any instrument and he can play it. No, I'm not kidding. He, he taught himself to play French horn over, in about four hours. Good enough to record a song with it. We did that together. He played the French horn. No chance for me. And there was this connection. 
And I told him in his, and this isn't things teen boys do. And I said, you know what? I have to tell you, I feel a connection to you that I've never felt to someone else. And this was the first serious time I've ever felt with him. I was spent with him. And this is a stupid thing I said. I said, but somehow or another, the, the number 12 is coming to me. Like there's like 12 people in the world who connect on this level. I had no idea about 12. I had no idea there were 12 apostles. And Matthew said, 12 is a great number. He knew. There are mental monuments in my life that relate to that man. Well, that boy, and then that man. I have a set of godparents who've been with me at some of the hardest times in my life. There's a mental monument in their house when things fell apart and crashed. And I needed a place to be safe mentally. (laughs) Okay, so it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Okay, I don't really have anywhere else to go. But I could go here. And I did. (laughs) And Gary opened the door. And there's this mental monument of a man in a long bathrobe. And he said, do you remember where your old bedroom is? Yeah. He goes, I don't know if it's made up, but I'm going back to bed. There's no one in it. It's yours. I'll see you for breakfast. And they prayed with me that morning. And Matthew wasn't even there. Where has God shown his face to you through others? Sometimes it's in places you don't expect. And these are the the, the monuments of gratitude that we need to build. Where has God shown his face? I've talked often about my father dying and about what that was like. And certainly there's there's a couple of mental monuments for me. And I might tell that story again, but I talk about it so often. I don't talk enough about this. That at the period of time where my dad was in the hospital, my now wife and I were broken up. And she was in Utah and I was in Seattle. And she called to check in. She really liked my dad and they didn't get to spend a lot of time together, but she really liked my dad. She said, your dad is so gentle and just so kind. And so we were talking on the phone. And I said, uh, my dad is probably not going to make it through the week. And she said, I would like to come up. I'd just like to be there. And, um, she said, I'm not saying we're getting back together. I just, I, I want to be there. And she flew up. And she got to see my dad. And then she was still there when he... It died, and I got to have the comfort, but there's something else. Have you ever had to take a loved one home from the hospital in ash form? It was my dad's wish to be cremated, and it was her. She drove me there to pick up the body. She drove me there. To make the arrangements. 
And crazy thing about an urn, or at least in the case of my dad, it felt the same as a baby. Not not tactically, but from a perspective of weight. It, it weighed about as much as an infant. And I, I carried that in my hands out to, I believe it was her car, one of our cars. I know that she drove because I was too upset. And I cradled that thing. And I saw in that this monument to selflessness, to, hey, I can't really afford to fly up. It's a big deal, but I'm coming. And of course, I think that precipitated us getting back together. And now being given a daughter to steward. And I have a mental monument for that, of gratitude. I do have mental monuments for around my dad's death that, that means so much to me. And, and the biggest one is certainly in the University of Washington parking lot, where after my father had died, I felt his spirit. And it was unmistakable joy. My dad was in a state of joy. I remember hearing him say, I can move, I can fly. And there I was laughing like a goof <laughs> right there in the University of Washington parking lot, in the hospital parking lot, laughing like a goof, smiling, saying out loud, dad, you died so well. You died a good death. You did so well. And I, I believe I was speaking quietly enough that people didn't you know, discern or consider me to be nuts, but people noticed. And there is, my mind, a monument exists there where God said, hey, hey, son, you stood next to your father in the hospital. You drove every weekend. If you couldn't fly, you drove. You're with him all this time. So was your sister and, and your brother. And, and you witnessed to him. And he has accepted me. And I want you to know your dad's okay. Beyond okay. I want you to know that your dad is in a state of absolute joy. Weird. A monument grateful to God for my dad's death. Weirder one? <laughs> the weirder one is at a restaurant called The Dog. And it is around the University of Washington in Seattle. And my dad made us promise something. He said, when I am gone, when I'm dead, do not delay. Do not make excuses. Do not dilly or dally or dilly dally. Walk away. I'm not there. Do not mourn my body. Do not mourn my body because I will not be in it. So when dad died, we did that. We delayed maybe a minute because I just had to gather myself. My dad is gone. And then we left. And walking out, Walking out. Went to the parking garage. Drove immediately to lunch. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Drove immediately to lunch. Now, why on earth would we drive immediately to lunch? I will tell you why. 
because dad said, I want you to as quickly as possible go celebrate my life, eat pizza or hamburgers and drink beer and do it in a place I would like. So I gathered my sister and my brother and we went and there is a monument in front of a urinal. I, I, I'm telling you, my dad would get a kick out of it. He would. I am so unbelievably grateful uh, for the new relationship we have with with Healthy Cell. And I, I, there's so many reasons to be grateful for it. Number one, uh, it's a way that the podcast thrives. Let's be honest. Um, number two uh, is the man who founded it. I got to talk to him and I asked the question, why? This is something I ask everybody when we get into a partnership. I want to understand why do you do what you do? And he told me, he said, you know what? I grew up around the uh, business of, of healthcare, patient care. My dad is in this. His dad's a, a big time innovator and works outside of the, uh, the insurance you know, um, cartel. And uh, he said, so I grew up around it and I knew I wanted to be in it, but not like my dad. And I knew I wanted to be more entrepreneurial, so I started to study, and I looked at all these pills people take, like vitamins and um, supplements and herbs, and, and I just began to wonder, about how effective is all that? So I did some research, and he was sharing with me the research he did about when you take these pills and these solids and you smash them down like they do, um, it comes out often that you end up with chunks of this stuff that our body's just not going to absorb. And some of it is 10 to 100 times too big. Uh, and there's a reason as well that people are having this, all these problems swallowing pills. We're not, we're not meant to chunk that stuff down our gullets. You know, we're supposed to chew things or drink things. So he got into the then solution phase. So what do I do? What do I do? And what he did was he created a product that's called a microgel. So this stuff um, is eminently more digestible, more immediately digestible. How much? Up to 165% more. And then he started to look at what are the major factors that affect people's health. Number one, the base is sleep. Their REM sleep product is a, is a fantastic approach for people who are getting insufficient sleep, which some people will consider to be an epidemic. 70% of Americans report that they do not obtain sufficient sleep, and only 11% report uh, sufficient sleep in, in a night. So this is an ultra-absorption sleep gel, and this microgel is immediately absorbable. This is natural stuff. There's no end in the ingredients, you know, there's the and, such as this filler and this stuff, and this doesn't really help you, but it makes the product look good. It doesn't, and by the way, it tastes good, and it's natural ingredients. They've set up a website for you. So start it with sleep, then look at the focus product, look at the vitamin products, but maybe start it with sleep. And this stuff for me beats melatonin like a, like a weird-looking snake. Because this stuff doesn't knock me out. It doesn't make me pass out, but it gives me an incredible night of sleep. More importantly, I can go back to sleep. So it's HealthyCell.com slash Todd. That's HealthyCell.com slash Todd. Use promo code Todd for 20% off your first order. Again, that's HealthyCell.com slash Todd. Promo code Todd for 20% off your first order. The... um. 
the fact is there is a monument in my mind in front of a urinal in Seattle, Washington, and I'm sorry if I'm being gross. I am I am sorry. Because we go to this bar, and I know Dash Restaurant. It wasn't a bar, but it was a restaurant. I knew my dad loved the place. His heart was with the Washington State Cougars. His mind was with the UW because he got his master's degree there. He liked both teams, loved the Cougars, liked the Huskies, went in, ordered hamburgers and pizza and beer because it was dad. We said, we're going to eat the things dad would have eaten. And I go into the bathroom and I am in front of the urinal doing what you do in front of a urinal. And I hear the song by the, uh, the, the, the birds. It's a cover song. For every season, there is a time. For every purpose under earth. You know the song, Turn, Turn, Turn? Yeah, it's the Bible. A time to live and a time to die. And it was on that verse. I was alone in the bathroom. It was on that verse. And I finished up, and I walked out with that song playing. That wasn't what was playing in the restaurant. In the restaurant, I don't even remember what was playing. Some nondescript rock and roll. But in the bathroom, a time to live and a time to die. <laughs> so there's a mental monument Now, people will say, well, you can't ascribe all of this to God. Well, okay, maybe God didn't make that song play. He let me hear it. All things are under God's control. I went to the bathroom because I needed to go at that time, at that moment, when that verse was on in front of that urinal in a way that would amuse my dad. And so there's a mental monument of gratitude. Where is yours? Have you had surprise times where God just shows up? Because I've got a couple that's, that's and I'm going to hold one back for the Christmas season because it's a Christmas story. And a Christmas, well, <laughs> happening that happened to me. So I'll hold that one back. Where's yours? Can you make a list? I've written mine down. I have a prayer, I have a gratitude prayer document that I use. First Thessalonians, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances. Man, that is hard. That is hard. There was a time when the world crashed. The person that I had placed above God, hear me, I had placed my daughter above God. She had become an idol, and she didn't like that. It's no fun being an only child when your parents (laughs) turn you into an idol. It's not. And that had bad consequences. And when things really started to fall apart, it all went back to Matthew. That same guy, that same guy in ninth grade, I was supposed to beat that guy up. And it turned out that he and I became brothers. And, and I, when I say brothers, I mean as if blood. And when it became clear that stuff was crashing to the ground and it was becoming clear to me, I have so screwed this up. I have not 
pastored my daughter. I have not discipled her. I, 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 I prioritize speed skating over church. Oh my goodness, what have I done? And there were other factors outside of my control. And I've forgiven myself for that after a lot of hard work and therapy. And yet to be with my brother Matthew in front of this, this church, he's Catholic. And so we went outside a Catholic church. And friends, I sat on that bench. It was a concrete bench. And I sat, I can still remember the cold concrete bench. Uh, I remember that it had been raining. I remember I could smell the bark. I remember that Matthew had his raincoat on. I had my raincoat on. I was telling him all that we had learned. And I had the most obnoxious and horrific snot running out of my beak and, and dripping onto the ground. And I couldn't be bothered to care. And Matthew was giving me uh, uh, tissues and, and I didn't even care. And he said, let's go inside and pray. I said, brother, I don't belong in a church. I'm not worthy to go in the church. Look what I've done. I have broken my daughter. I have broken her. And Matthew sat, and he didn't fix. He didn't try to fix. We spoke about God, but he didn't even speak that much. He just let me speak. I remember talking to him about how much it could cost And I said, this is going to bankrupt me. And now I will have broken my daughter and I'll have no home. And he said to me, brother, no. No, I'll sell my house. I'll mortgage my house if it comes to that. I'll mortgage my home. I will never let you be homeless. I'll never let you go broke. (laughs) A friendship started because I was supposed to beat him up. How could I not in that see the face of God? When we decided to shift out of the radio show and into the cast, um, you know the story. You know because I've shared with you that, oh, I'm not equipped for this. And God's saying, you big dummy. It's just Satan's a politician. You can make it complicated, but I've equipped you for this, so stop. But there was moments before that. This bedroom that has become the podcast studio in the house uh, in North Idaho, in this converted bedroom, I did radio for two years. And a lot of that is, is all, all courtesy to my former employers there. It's, and, and they're so good in family. I just never stopped saying that. And yet, when I had made the decision mentally, we can't stay here. We cannot keep our daughter in this state. There is no safety for any kid who has any sort of mental health challenges in the state of Washington. There's no parental rights. You have no rights in this broken, terrible, awful state. You have no rights. And I made that decision mentally, but I was thinking about how am I going to, uh, how am I going to get this done in the radio station? And I think we were in the midst of a contract uh, renegotiation. How am I going to get this done? They're going to need me here. How am I going to do this? And, and what am I going to do? And, and we're spending this money. Mind you, at this time, the $30,000 a month is still going out the door. It's still pouring out the door. 
And I have no idea if I'm ever going to get it back. I'm just watching our savings disappear. Thank God that God had given us the money to pay off that house. But then I'm starting to think I was legitimately talking to my friends in the mortgage business about, okay, am I too young for a reverse mortgage? Yes. What else could I do so I don't have to sell the house? Oh, I got it. We'll move. We'll rent the house. We'll get into a small apartment. I had all this going on at the time I'm thinking about, but the radio income. Well, Todd, start another company. I have no time. I have no energy. And then <laughs> there's a mental monument in the, in the downstairs bedroom in that former house that God gifted us with. And the mental monument is this. God planted in my mind. You, this is a quote. You will do radio from a bedroom in Idaho. It came out of nowhere. And at the time, we were looking at Utah as the place to move because my, my wife has family down there. And my daughter has close relationships with her cousins. We were looking there. And God said, you will do radio from a bedroom in Idaho. And the crazy thing was, it just settled everything. I had no anxiety on that front. (laughs) And my agent came back and she said, hey, they're fine with you working from home on a mutually agreed upon schedule. I said, mutually agreed? She said, yeah, mutually agreed. Okay. And the intent was, purely the intent, to go back to Seattle on a regular basis, even if we got the money back from the insurance company, even to invest in a condo over there. So I'd be there and I'd be here. And then the lockdowns came. (laughs) And property rights in Seattle went away. Washington State, there were no property rights. And no one was asking anybody to move back because everything was shut down and our lives were established here. And there's a mental monument to that moment in that bedroom. But you know what? This mental monument, there is also this. There's also this. I think God puts in us a thing that we are, co- that we are designed to do. And please hear me on this. This is so vital. I hope you'll hear this. The Apostle Paul talks about the body of Christ and the many roles that we have in the body of Christ. And that the the thumb could say to the eye, well, you're not important. Or pardon me, the eye could say to the thumb, you're not important. You're just the thumb. I'm an eye. And the thumb could say, hey, good luck eating without me. Good, Good luck holding on to anything without me. Likewise, the heart could say to the foot, hey, I'm, I'm a heart. You're just a foot. And the foot could say, yeah, when you start beating real fast because there's danger coming to get you, good luck running away, heart, without me. We all have our role in the body of Christ. And every one of them is important. And in his eyes, when we do it to his glory, it's beautiful. So there's a mental monument to coming back to this. And crazy, crazy. There's a mental monument, mental monument to a little tiny radio station that used to, it used to be tiny. Now it's far better established. And it's down in Spokane, Washington. And it was an answer to prayer. Although I wasn't discipled, I sure wasn't living with God, but 
the prayer was almost unconscious. And the fact that I'm speaking to you now indicates to me that God always designed it that way. And I got to go do two shows there. Night before Halloween and Halloween itself and then cut a deal with my dear friend Tom Cock to do radio there. Guess what? A uh, few months ago, well, actually this summer, God said something to me. He said, if I give you a chance to start over at things, will you put me at the center? I said, yes, Father. <laughs> Next weekend. No, forgive me. This coming weekend. I'm unbelievably excited to tell you that our national radio show is going to be on that radio station, KSBN in Spokane. The very place. I started my radio career without, with barely a mention of God. Will be the place that the program airs in Spokane, Washington. The place where I met the boy named Matthew, who's now the man, whose dad was a radio legend, who used to drive us around the car, in the car, and educate us about radio. I didn't know at that time that God had placed me into a family, not just for a second family, not just to learn a great work ethic, but to be able to do something that I feel God has gifted me with. So there's a mental monument. I can still picture that building. I've driven by it a few times. I told my daughter about it. That's where it all started. It's where the whole trip began, and yet it wasn't, was it? The trip began with a boy I was supposed to beat up, but the trip began before then. Folks, I hope that you can take this gratitude challenge, and I hope that you can begin to write down the times that you saw God's face. Because gratitude, gratitude can make it through a lot of things, and it can help keep us in the spirit. Now, this is... The Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and be grateful.